if you think of something like out of King Kong, you just see this one tall island in the sea. That's what you're getting with this Christmas island. Even if you didn't carry your own camera, you can point to a BBC documentary and say, yeah, I've been there, and anybody you show it to will be mesmerized. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark. I'm the host and creator of the Island Travel Podcast. And that was Stefan Krasowski talking about his visit to Christmas Island, Australia. Stefan is the founder of Every Passport Stamp, a very useful Facebook group helping people get to hard-to-reach destinations all over the world. Stefan is also part of the group of people that have visited all 193 United Nations countries. In this episode, we talk about Christmas Island, Australia, how you get there, what to do there, and especially we talk about the red crab migration. Enjoy. You've done all the countries in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And and if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do, how do they do that? Well, I studied Chinese in high school and then uh, high school China trip got me really excited. I went to school in Philadelphia, but spent semesters in Shanghai and Hong Kong and then spent the, the first decade of my career working in China and traveled to every province in China, fascinated uh, with the region, and then started expanding out from there around Asia and eventually moved back to the U.S. when my wife did a degree in New York and continued on the quest to visit every country in the world, which I completed last year, a week before my 40th birthday, when I got into Syria. Congratulations. Thank you. You have some kind of a travel-related business. Yeah, uh, two things. One, it's not a business, but it's a uh, an, an initiative, you could say, the, the Every Passport Stamp Facebook group, currently about 8,000 members. That's for the more extreme destinations, the more in-depth travels, the the information that, that goes beyond what you find on TripAdvisor. So that's a fun project. And, uh, and then I also speak at travel conferences and run some events called Frequent Traveler University. It's, it's around teaching travelers how to use, earn, redeem, maximize frequent flyer programs and points. And a lot of the travels I've been able to do have been uh, using those. And Christmas Island is one of the best uses of my my points ever because I was trying to time my visit with the annual red crab migration, which is uh, tied to the moons and the rains. Every year, Australia Parks will predict, say, three to four different sets of dates over several months late in the year of when the crabs may migrate. This trip to Christmas Island actually took four years of booking every possible flight for all of those dates. And then it would be something that they would, the crabs would migrate over Christmas day. And I'm, I just can't, I can't escape from uh, family commitments and, uh, and have a family to return to or, and uh, finally on the fourth year, the dates all worked out. I was able to finally have the trip during the big migration. Let's kind of take a step back and uh, kind of, kind of pack some of that. So, to visit every country uh, in the world. And then also, um, you've also gone to some of these, I guess we could call them a little more exotic and hard to get to places. How do you get to the Christmas islands? Uh, we're, we're assuming things will come back to, to where they have been uh, uh, post-virus. Uh, the main air link has been Virgin Australia, which 
operates a twice a week triangle route from Perth to Christmas Island to Cocos Keeling and back. These two territories are often visited in conjunction, although they're uh, in, in almost every way, very separate. And uh, the mention of Perth, geographically, Christmas Island is actually closer to Indonesia and to um, right. Malaysia than it is to Australia. And many of the people on the island are, are descent from those areas. And uh, it changes constantly. Uh, but uh, contacting Christmas Island tourism, you can find out if there happen to be any charter flights running either to Kuala Lumpur or to Jakarta. The time I visited, there was a, uh, I believe it was once monthly charter flight to Jakarta and twice monthly to Kuala Lumpur. These are not findable on search engines. They're a charter basis. Uh, so you need to contact Christmas Island Tourism is the best one to get information of which these flights okay. are running. And for many travelers, coming from Southeast Asia is a lot cheaper than coming from Perth. Okay, so it's roughly speaking about a thousand miles northwest of Australia, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but maybe only a few hundred miles south of uh, the main island of Indo Indonesia, Java. Yep. Okay, and then how much do those charter flights, or I guess how much does that flight cost, that triangle flight that goes from Perth up into the Christmas Island and then over to Cocos, how much does that cost, and how much are those charter flights roughly? The charters were more uh, standard. I think they were typically like seven, seven, eight hundred U.S. round trip. The Virgin Australia fares could vary a bit. Uh, the flight between Christmas and Cocos would typically be about two hundred to two hundred and fifty U.S. dollars, and the flights from the mainland in the six to seven hundred dollars. Uh, either round trip in the off season and then if it's near holiday seasons and that's where the red crab migration gets tough because a lot of it uh, potentially happens around the Christmas and New Year's holidays the the airfares can quickly go over a thousand almost two thousand dollars one of the main things to see that draws people in is this um, crab migration and that's what you were trying to schedule to see right mm -hmm. yep and uh, it's the the red crabs and it's uh, one of these great natural experiences of the world, uh, these, these millions. There, there's, there's a whole different setting. Australia National Parks and Christmas Island Tourism talk about all the different phases of it. The, the, key, the key thing that tourists are trying to see is the spawning, uh, where, the, where the, the crabs are coming in from the sea, landing on the beaches, and then going up through the island. And many of the roads are totally closed because they're totally covered by the crabs. The beaches are just oh, really? com completely covered. It's, it's this fantastic natural experience as they go up and, and cover the island. And, and when I was there, uh, Google Earth was, was mapping uh, Christmas Island. They timed it for that date. So there's, there's, there's a picture of me in, in Google Earth at uh, Flying Fish Cove. Uh, uh, German documentary filmmakers were there recording this this uh, phenomenon it's it is a, a incredible natural really? experience to witness so you made it into one of these documentaries that was uh being, being uh, i don't know the documentary uh, the, that one of the poor cameramen had his head in the surf for hours one morning just with this on, on, on his chin with the camera and that that looks like a tough tough life but google earth you can find me with my uh, orange baseball hat uh, I think that uh, it's just up the uh, up, up the driveway where, where cars would normally park. But as I said, most of the roads are, are shut down during this time. And um, 
you've got uh, <laughs> even a few of the busy roads that they don't end up closing. They've built these pedestrian bridge ladders that uh, uh, <laughs> that, that that the crabs cross over. So it's only about a, maybe a couple thousand people that actually live there. Right. But it's uh, it's all mapped out, like all the roads you, you can map out. Yeah. And, and that was that was part of that project. So the uh, if you look at uh, Google Earth, I mentioned Flying Fish Cove, which is near the town. That's one of the main mm-hmm. sites where the crabs come to shore. And then on the east side, Ethel Beach. And I, I misspoke. Google Earth has me on up on Ethel Beach. Uh, that's one of the busiest sites. And the locals know which which ones uh, are, are, are getting the most crab activity. It, it happens over several days during this period. And um, uh, so the uh, Australia Parks with Google, with uh, local authorities, funded the, the Google Earth mapping of the island, and they did it specifically during the crab period. So it is a lot of fun to zoom down to Google Earth view and get a sense of, of these crabs all over the island. I mean, I assume there's a lot of crabs in a lot of islands and a lot of places. What's so special that, you know, so many crabs are concentrated in this one area? I, I don't have a great answer for that. Uh, I, what I will say is uh, the red crabs are famous for the migration, uh, but there are a number of different types of crabs, uh, all the way up to the giant coconut crabs or robber crabs. And so, although tourist activity often focuses on this specific time of year, you can have incredible travels uh, throughout the year. The, uh, the, the, the coconut crabs, they're, they're giant. It looks like out of a, a science fiction movie. And they, one of the things they do is eat, eat the red crabs. I saw a news article recently of a coconut crab that that stole somebody's fancy uh, large <laughs> camera equipment and, and and took off with it and and that and there's there's um, if you go and you stay a little bit longer on the island, for instance, on the west side, um, there's a hiking area called the Dales, and you'll see right. the various uh, there's blue crabs, there's yellow, there's there's all different types of crab that that you can more or less see year round. They've recorded. Uh, over 160 different crab species and and highlight uh, one of the flyers I have highlighted 20 different crabs and I was able to count down and see quite a few of these the yellow nipper the all of these different ones especially down by the dales as I said as a hiking area you, you see them uh, in in great concentration that's awesome um, it's almost like maybe they should rename this crab island or something guess <laughs> kind of yeah it's promotion. it's one that it, it hasn't gotten the uh, the best public reputation of uh, some years ago with the, the controversial uh, asylum policy and uh, people that were, were trying to seek asylum in in Australia were uh, sent to a detention center on Christmas Island. And then later, when that was closed, over to the, the Pacific country of Nauru. Uh, so that was a huge part of the economy for a while. And the, the detention center is there, and it actually has been repurposed but right, uh, so yeah, it's other, other than the crabs, it, it hasn't built uh, the greatest uh, in, in public international reputation. I believe there is a, a period of the year where you could see whale sharks, but it's not uh, it's not a, a beach paradise. There's there's some limited beaches, uh, but it's it's much more um, an elevated island. Uh, there's a lot of hiking. Some of the few tourists that are not focused on crabs are actually Australian birders, I learned, because they have a, a competition to try to see as many possible species in Australia 
as they can in their lifetime. A lot of species that you wouldn't see on the main continent are out this way. So birders do come there year round as well. Uh, anything else that, you know, I, I guess you did or you think that people you know, often you know, can do that's good to do on this island to visit? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really the, the natural activities. I mean, there, there is a small town uh, down by the water and then the, uh, uh, another settlement up above uh, sort of mid-levels, if you're talking about Hong Kong, up, up the hill. Uh, and there's limited restaurants. And, and, and to get an idea, I mean, you mentioned the population is very small. So when you talk about restaurants, there's some that they're open, say, Friday and Saturday, and that's it. Or or they're just a just a lunch takeout place on weekdays. It is a small population. The the costs of visiting are high because of the airfare. Accommodation is is not necessarily luxurious and you know, at at the same value level fairly pricey because of its remoteness and small yeah. population. And like like the restaurants and food accommodation. I mean, the option. What are you looking at per day, roughly? Yeah, for simple meals, you're gonna you're gonna be paying ten to twenty dollars. Uh, roughly, and um, um, of course, there are grocery stores in that, so you can self cater or you can bring in various supplies. Unlike uh, rental cars, it was around sixty to seventy dollars a day, and accommodation. Uh, you're you're not going to get anything near budget. I think the cheapest options were around eighty to a hundred. There, there's not really say a, a, a budget. Um, there, there's some resorts that that go higher end, um, but but there's some basic. Mid mid range hotels that that uh, as well as some B and Bs that that as I said you can you can hope for around eighty to a hundred dollars and and a key point is a lot of these are so small scale that you're not going to find them on the the typical search engine so the bookings I did both for the accommodation and for the rental car were contacting Christmas Island Tourism uh, they respond to email they respond to Twitter direct messages. And they call. They they actually manually call around and, and collect a few prices for what people are offering, and are, are good. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the few destinations that I've I've actively used and really benefited from uh, the local tourist information board. Were there many tourists there when when you were there, and was there inter- interaction with like local people? At that time, since it was the end of the year, a number of locals uh, were already out somewhere else for their holidays. So they were heading to to Malaysia, Indonesia, to Australia, mainland to uh, enjoy their holidays. Schools were out of session, so locals were more the interaction you, that you'd have in stores and in restaurants and, and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. The the annual tourist visitors, it's I think they said it's between ten and twenty percent of the tourists who visit. Uh, every year come during the migration, but you're talking like a hundred or two hundred tourists on the island. I almost actually missed the crab migration because I, my plane and I were stranded on Cocos Keeling for four days. So you want to you want to build a little bit of a buffer, and, and there's only so much capacity for visitors at any one time. The tourists I saw on the beach in the morning with the crabs, you, you see everybody. And then after that, you're, you're not seeing too many people. You, you see a few cars around or there's Christmas Island National Park, one of the scenic areas. Uh, you're not talking about a long drive, like a 20-minute drive from, from the main town. In 2018, they had 2,000 visitors, uh, and that was double over 2017. So they've, uh, they've been increasing the numbers. That's for the entire year. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it is, it's a it is very seldom visited. Yeah. 
This is great. Well, hey, Stefan, um, it's really it's been a pleasure. You know, maybe we'll do another uh, another island at some point here. All right. Thank you, Mark. You have a great day.